Okay, um, there are handouts. I put five handouts on each table. I think that's generally enough. Um, uh, I just start off with a discussion, okay? So if you just look at the, the handout, the, the question at the top. In fact, I've got, a, I've got a few spares here, so if you, if you run out, just grab one from me. Um, it's just discussion, small groups. So when people, I mean believers and unbelievers in general, when people talk about God, what is the content of that word? What do people in general mean when they talk about God? And just as a follow-up, how much significance is put in God being the creator? Okay? Um, see if you can work out what I was getting out of that question. Have a quick chat, just a couple of minutes. Don't wait for anyone to ho- ch- chair the conversation. Just share your thoughts confidently with one another. Go, two minutes. <clears throat> okay, let's, um, let's gather back together. Anyone just want to uh, volunteer a few quick answers on that? Lots of discussions should be easy. Tumbleweed, come on. Anyone? No. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Yeah, just a higher being in general. Yeah, anything else? One of the gods. Yeah, what do you mean by that? One of the gods. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, Mandy? They want money. They want money. Okay, yeah. Motivation. Yeah, sure. Now, yeah, I mean, but basically it's not entirely clear, isn't it? When people talk about God, obviously as Christians we know exactly who we're talking about God. But even now I'm presupposing some meaning in that word, aren't I? God. And when we talk about one of the gods, still we've got a question with multiple gods. But what are these things we're talking about when we talk about um, God? So the sense in which God can mean anything, can't it? Uh, metaphorically, we talk about, oh, they're a, they're a god. They're just, they're a total god. They're a music god. They're a footballing god. But even then, you, you, what's that a metaphor for? If we talk about someone lives like a pig, we know what a pig li- lives like. Just wondering why I chose that metaphor off the top of my head. Um, you know, they're, they're like dirt. They're not very clean and tidy. Okay, we know what living like a pig means. But God, what, what does that term mean? Um, sometimes a plurality of spiritual beings in control of certain parts of nature Um, objects of worship Um, for Christians when we talk about God we're talking about God is the creator and talk about God being the creator is essential so when we as Christians um, ask the question what is God like it's almost synonymous to saying what is the creator like what is God like? What is the creator like? Basically, uh, it's the same question. So I looked it up in the dictionary. It's not how I do most of my theology. Uh, but I looked it up in the dictionary. And this is what it says about God. It says, the being or spirit that is worshipped and is believed to have created the universe. So generally speaking, that's... Now, obviously, other religions would sign up to that as well. So Judaism would sign up to that. Islam would sign up to that. Um, but there are other definitions as well. Talking about God's just anyone who has some sort of control... Um, over nature but as Christians we want to say the first thing we almost we want to say about God or, or, or what do we mean when we're talking about God we're talking about the creator now there's more to say than God is the creator but that's the starting point Muslims Jews would agree that God is a creator but we obviously we don't agree on who God is but there's not less to say than God is the creator that's the starting point now let me just recap why are we talking about all of this I guess most of us are fairly regular as I'm looking around the room, but some of us are newer or occasional. In fact, it's the first Sunday school of this series I've come to. Um, and basically, we're going through the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is almost like the most basic 
statement of Christian faith that everyone believes. It's a source of great unity because we can all say, despite our many differences or many secondary things, yet I believe in the Apostles' Creed. It's what distinguishes uh, Christianity from other monotheistic religions, so from Judaism, from Islam. It's what distinguishes Christianity from the cults as well, like Mormonism, uh, like Jehovah's Jehovah's Witnesses and, and, and their beliefs. Um, but we're going through them. We've seen that um, we've seen two so far. We've looked at uh, God as as Father, um, and how that relates to both His creation and salvation. We've seen that God is Almighty; He's totally sovereign over all things. And this week, we're looking at God being the Creator of heaven and earth. Now, what I want us to do is to see it from the Bible. So, if you've got a Bible, open it up or look on your phone. Just go to the very first line of the Bible. I mean, you'll you'll know this off by heart, but I want you to just see it afresh again. Genesis 1, verse 1. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the heavens and the earth. It's the first thing that the Bible teaches if you're reading it from beginning to end. I mean, there's a lot going on in that one verse. So there's a beginning there is a beginning. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? That, that is not accepted by everybody. Some people believe in sort of some form of infinity. Come back to that in a second. But the beginning of what? There's a beginning of everything. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's just worth thinking through, what do we mean by heavens and earth? There's a sense, I mean, earth in one sense is fairly intuitive. It's sort of what we're standing in on. It's the world, isn't it? Maybe earth's we talk about planets um, but earth we're really talking about sort of where we're living where we exist but what does heaven mean well again there's a sense in which it just means the sky so later on in the chapter we'll see that the birds are in the heavens we'll see that the stars and the sun and the moon are in the heavens so just talking about the sky but even in genesis it's more than just the sky so later on um uh, chapter 22 when abraham's about to sacrifice his son isaac the the, the angel lord calls from heaven I don't think it means from the sky. It's, it's from the place where the angels are. It's from the, the spiritual realm. Or later on, uh, Jacob has a dream, doesn't he, with the angels going up a ladder, ascending into heaven. It's, it's the place where the angels live. It's the spiritual realm, as you were. So God created the heavens and the earth. Again, we can see that in the New Testament even more clearly when it talks about the Lord Jesus, uh, creator of all things seen and unseen. Um, so we have this uh, beginning and then everything is created. But God already exists before the beginning of everything. He is eternal. Again, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that the clock can keep going back in the past forever and ever and ever. Like you keep flicking back in a diary, you could just calendar, you could keep doing that forever and God still existed. He existed before the creation of the world. He existed before time. He exists outside of time. He knows the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Now, it's very hard to get your head around that. Um, I can't get my head around it, but it's the testimony of Scripture. There's lots of things we can't get our head around, um, but they're still nonetheless true, and we're given language in the Scripture to talk about them. So God pre-existed, as it were. So he pre-existed, then he created everything, and that means that everything has come from nothing. So again, more clearly in the New Testament, but it really spelt out very clearly, John 1 verse 3, all things were made through him, talking about the Word, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
So where did everything come from? Uh, where did matter, where did stuff come from? Well, it didn't come from anywhere. It came from nothing. Sometimes you'll read um, books and it talks about this word ex nihilo. They're just talking about from nothing. That's the sort of Bibles where everything came from nothing. And that gives us distinction, therefore, between God's and everything else in the world, everything else in creation. We're totally, we have a totally different type um, of existence. Now, and I think it's just really helpful in terms of, a lot of this stuff, thinking about God as creator, I think it's really helpful in terms of strengthening our faith. So it really starts to build the Christian worldview. And I, I personally find it so helpful. I mean, lots of things that can give me assurance in my faith. Uh, but one of the most helpful things that gives me assurance is thinking about how God is the creator of the world. Because think about what are the alternatives? What are the alternatives to God being the creator? There's one alternative that says, well, God existed forever. Uh, sorry, not God exists forever. The universe existed forever. But again, intuitively, you think that's a bit strange because nothing lasts forever, does it? N- nothing that we have ever observed lasts forever. Even the scientists uh, say nothing lasts forever. Atheists, materialist scientists say nothing has lasted forever. I remember hearing on a radio about 10 years ago, it was a sort of Radio 5, fairly sort of low brow, as it were, for simpletons like me, but. Um, this uh, scientist was being interviewed by the, um, uh, by the host, and she said, well, how, sort of how old is the universe? And he gave the answer. And then she said, so, so what, was, what, was, what existed before the start of time? He said, well, as a, he said, it's not just the universe has an age, that time began at that point. So she then asked the opposition, well, what, what was there before time? And at which point they both just laughed, as if to say, well, obviously my theory doesn't make sense. And, and, and I'm in the car smugly but laughing like ha ha yeah exactly god exists there's a scientist there mistakenly totally affirming the christian worldview on creation so um uh, where does everything come from if you're not a christian well nothing lasts forever that's not an answer well maybe it came from something else well that just pushes the uh, question back i remember watching a film called uh, prometheus it's one of the alien series and one of the questions they asked not a philosophical film but um they talk where do humans come from I said, ah, they came from the engineers, who are these sort of humanoid beings. Obvious question, where did the humanoids come from? We're just pushing back the problem. Or sometimes say things came from, everything came from nothing. Or just coincident, everything came from, it's not a god, everything by chance came from nothing. Again, we say, well, how often have you ever observed that? That is surely an act of faith to believe everything has come from nothing. It is surely the best answer to uh, our world, that everything has been made by God. Well, then the question comes about, well, who made God then? You've got your own problem, Christians. Who made God? And we say, exactly, exactly. No one made God. He's a different, he has a different type of existence to creation. Right, just any questions on that so far? Does anyone want to pick up on anything? Or ask you? A lot of this stuff's quite philosophical, mathematical. I'm really glad I've got Sam in the room. I've got Marv in the room as Christian intellectuals. Um, so you guys are ready. Um, any, any questions or comments on any of that stuff? If not, we'll move on. Yeah, it's a bit early for this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Anastasia. You don't have to answer this. might just be playing those up together. You could just say, where does God come from? Yeah. No, and that is a really good question. But the sense in what we're saying to that question is, um, we say, where does God come from? Because everything has a beginning. That, that's the precept, everything has a beginning. And then we say... Um, it's almost to reject the premise of the question. Say, look, 
we assume everything has a beginning, but that is what is distinct about God. Almost that question gets to who God is. He is outside of time. Does that make sense? I mean, again, yeah, he doesn't have a beginning. That's who, that, is, that is what we're talking about, the God who has no beginning. It says, well, who believes that? And we say, well, we do because the scriptures testified it and actually God's come into the world, you know, and then we can go from there. But again, highly, it's, it's, it's hard to get our head around, but it is, I think, philosophically credible, if that makes sense. Any other questions, comments? No, good. Okay, well, let, let's move on. Um, so God is the creator. Um, Next, you just see that creation is the work of the triune God. So, again, you've got your Bibles open. Let's, let me just keep reading. So, I'll, I'll read from one again, but I'll read um, one to three. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And w- there was light. Again, we could go to uh, Psalm 33, uh, verse 6. Um, We could look it up, but I'll just read it from my hand up. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Do you see this idea? We're getting um, words and we're getting breath. Breath, the same word as spirit. We've got the whole, uh, the triune gods, all the persons of the Trinity, involved in creation. Again, we'll see it in the New Testament as well all things were made through him um uh you see that john one we see it in uh, colossians one um so we've got this idea that it's not just that um god is the creator it's the father son and holy spirit is the creator now just thinking things step back thinking about the context of the apostles creed we're talking about the father almighty the maker of heaven and earth. I think that could be a bit confusing sometimes. With the, the Apostles' Creed, do you remember the, 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 the Trinitarian shape of the Apostles' Creed? It starts off with a, a smallish paragraph on the, on the Father, then a larger paragraph on the Son, and then a sort of slightly smaller paragraph on the Spirit. And sort of in one sense, they're particularly pointing out works that are particularly associated with those persons. Um, so the Son, particularly associated with salvation, the Spirit, particularly involved in uh, giving life, bringing the church to life as well. But why do we say um, that the Father is the creator of heaven and earth? Well, in the sense in which we say, no, God as God, he does all things towards his creation as God uh, together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit all act together uh, in their works. But there is um, a sense in which we particularly see uh, fatherliness uh, in creation um, so certain it's sometimes again theologically you, you read these people talk about certain works specifically manifesting certain persons of the trinity so uh, Psalm 90 verse 2 listen to this before the mountains were born before you gave birth to the earth and the world from eternity to eternity you are God so this idea that uh, God didn't just create the world, he sort of gave birth to the world. Um, again, that's similar language, isn't it, to the father, the son. The father begets the son, doesn't he? There's an eternal begetting, so there's a difference. The father and son have always been in existence, but it's this a fatherly relationship and, and the sense in which he has a fatherly relationship uh, to creation. That's just an aside, not taking any questions on that. Um, 
So let's go, go into the next thing then, okay? So different uh, views of creation. See, I've been hard at work for diagrams here. Uh, you're welcome. Um, so the, I think we'll just compare different views because it is actually quite helpful, not only just being a bit clearer on what do we believe as Christians, but also um, uh, helps distinguish, uh, well, it shows some of the beauty of the Christian worldview and how it's distinct from other views. So let's start then with a biblical worldview. So just two, two circles, arrow pointing down. So firstly, creation comes from God and is distinct from God. We've seen that already, haven't we? God creates the heaven and earth. He isn't the heavens and earth, but he creates the heavens and earth. And God is far above creation. Often this word transcendent is used, which intuitively I think we often can know what transcendent means, but it's quite hard to, to pin it down. Um, but when we say uh, God is transcendent, I mean, it literally means he sort of climbs over something. That's to say he's beyond creation. He's outside of creation. He has control above creation. So you see he, in the diagram just he is above creation, that sort of, um, yeah, l- loose picture there. But he's not just transcendent. He's not just other far away. He's also imminent. Again, another sort of theological term. But that's to say that that word means he indwells. So he's present in creation. So he's far above creation, but he's also present in creation. He relates to creation. So what do we mean by that? What we don't mean is if we got a microscope out and we looked closely enough, we could see some God atoms or God cells. That's not what we're talking about when we say God is present, he's imminent, he indwells creation. What we're saying is that he is active everywhere all the time. So in him, all things hold together. If God wasn't active in creation, it's hard to imagine what would happen. Everything, everything would just disappear, explode, depart, because God holds all things um, together. So he, he holds everything together sort of in a sort of creation sense or uh, providential sense. He sustains everything. But it's more than even that. It's not just he's present, his creation holding everything together. He's present, his creation relationally as well. So um, we're about to start our worship service and we believe that when people uh, gather around to hear God's word together, that God is present. He's present actively. He's present to speak. He's present to encourage us. He's present to do specific things. So yes, he's transcendent. He's outside of creation. He's not physically here in any way. But imminently, he is present spiritually. And this leads to certain things. This leads to, really, the Christian worldview on things. So, um, I've put, I'm not quite sure how, uh, yeah. Im- Im- implications for beliefs about God and life, I've put as a question mark. Let me give you a few, and then I'll just hand you over to the next few. So what does it mean, the Christian view of um, God being the imminent and transcendent gods well a few first it just leads to worship doesn't it so um that's revelations 4 11 isn't it you are worthy our lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by their will um they have by your will they have their being so why do we worship god we worship him that the lord jesus christ came down and died for us on the cross but even before he did that even before the fall Adam was to worship God because he was his creator and his maker. So it means we worship. It means, again, as Christians, it means we have hope, doesn't it? God is involved in the world. There's horrific things going on 
Isn't it wonderful to know that God is involved in the creation? He hasn't left creation. Uh, that's why we pray as well, because God is not just a transcendent other God who made everything, although he, he is that. He is more than that. He is imminent. He is, he's not left the world to run by itself. He is involved and he's present relationally to answer our prayers. Okay, so that's, that's the first view. Second view, I'm going to explain these three. And then what I want you to do is just think about what are the um, implications of these views. What, what, do, they, what, what do these views, believe, uh, what do these views um, say about God and life? So materialism, that's the next one. So there is no gods and therefore no creation. So notice uh, it's even called a different thing. It's not creation. Creation implies a creator. If you're just materialist, you just think there's a, there's a universe. There's a, you could call it a happenstance or something like that. So there's only matter in the world. So what you can see under the microscope or telescope, that is all there is. There is nothing um, more. Um, now, again, in the sense of physically speaking, that's not different to the Christian view. We all believe physically that the, the matter is matter. Um, but actually, if you're a materialist, and there is nothing more. All we are is atoms. Um, let's go on to pantheism. Uh, pantheism, the whole universe is God's. So there's no creator-creature distinction, sort of God is the earth. So God has no distinct personality, as it were. He's not even holy in the sense of he's not other, he's in the earth, but he's not other in his sort of goodness, because if everything is God, then actually even the evil in the world, the bad side of creation that we don't like, that's in the world, are parts of the fool, as we would call it as Christians, well, they actually have to be part, as, part of God as well. Uh, and then finally, mean, there are other worldviews as well. I'll just pick these ones out. Um, I think they're particularly clear in helping us see the distinction between Christianity and other views and maybe what other people in our culture would hold, whether um, consciously or subconsciously. Deism believes in a God and believes in creation and believes that God is transcendent but not imminent. So he's not involved in the running of the universe. Again, this is put sometimes, he's like the divine clockmaker. He's, he's made the clock, he's wound everything up, and now it's ticking. It's just left to go its own way. Um, okay, so those in mind, just in your tables, um, just think about materialism, pantheism, deism. And I want you to have a think about what are the implications of these views for beliefs about God's and life. I mean, obviously, materialism is obviously there's no good, but what are the implications for life? Have a discussion just for maybe three or four minutes, then we'll come back together and feedback. Okay, let's, let's draw back together. Any thoughts, the implications of some of these um, worldviews? I mean, because <laughs> they're not Christian worldviews, I'm mindful that a lot of my, my implications are all negative. And I don't sound like, oh, these non Christians are stupid. Um, but on the other hand, we want to say actually God has made the world in the best way. So we do want to think critically about these other views as well. Um, anyone, anyone want to just give any implications of any of them? Yeah, Anastasia, thanks. I think pantheism is one that lots of my generation is sort of talking like, oh, the universe gave me the sign for this. I remember like, Friend who was the train, and she said, Oh, that was the universe gave me the sign that I wasn't supposed to get that job. So, like, yeah. I think that, yeah, it's common to have this kind of there is some kind of fate or karma going on, yeah. and everything's important and yeah. 
not yeah. from anywhere. I think it it gives a sense of like higher meaning when you don't have a cross. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I noticed this recently. I had a guy say um, it, was a, it was a podcast about a um, uh, rug, rugby podcast, and one of the guys hosting it was a professional rugby player. And he said, "Yeah, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason." And I, I was quite stand stood back. I thought that's quite an admission. But anyway, um, I, most people nod along to that uncritically. Thinking he probably thinks that because his life's been amazing. You know, he's a super rich rugby player. I mean, literally, it was Danny Kaye scored last night for England. You know. Had a really long career. He's like, he's got a podcast, he's got good personality. Everyone wants to listen to him. And I thought, yeah, you probably do think everything happens for a reason. Uh, what it, it's much harder, isn't it, when you say, actually, no, I've had a real tragedy in my life. I believe everything happens for a reason. And but that there's no sort of silver lining. Yeah, yeah. Anything else on pantheism? Just a few thoughts on pantheism. There's a sense in which, um, it can, if we believe it actually creation is is divine, it can lead to an overvaluing of creation, and and therefore an undervaluing of individuals. Again, it was on the, um, I think Apple launched the iPhone 15. I think it is, and they did this whole video. It was meant to be quite funny. I think it's been critiqued, not because it's not Christian, obviously, but. Um, there's sort of Mother Earth comes in. And in one sense, it's ho-ho Mother Earth, but in another sense, it's just personifying. There's a sort of greater belief that actually we, creation doesn't exist uh, for us humans, but we exist for it. And again, what it can lead to is an overvalue of creation, so an extreme environmentalism. Obviously, environmentalism is good. We're to look after creation. It can lead to an extreme environmentalism, but also it can lead to a devaluing of individuals as well, can't it? Because actually, if everything is just God, when someone dies, we just go back into being part of the God again, it can devalue uh, individuals, particularly individuals who can't contribute to society in many ways, saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Well, no, it does matter, because individuals matter as well. Anyone want to give, give anything for um, materialism, implications of the materialistic life? I don't mean like you're materialistic, you just you value money, although that might be an implication of it, but, but materialism in the sense of the, all there is is matter. Does anyone want to give an implication of that? Yeah. If you're material. Yeah, what just say a bit more why not? <laughs> um, well because I'm just gonna be uh, It's quite hard to articulate, but go um, on, give it a Well, so if there's no God, No, no, it's really helpful. I, I think it's really, in one sense, it's intuitively right. It's quite hard to articulate. But um, I think this is exactly it. So sometimes people say you can't get an ought from an is, if that makes sense. If, so, if this is something, it doesn't, doesn't, it just, if this is, then this is. So what? It doesn't mean there's any moral implications from it unless there is something higher. There is a moral, um, there are, there's a moral order. And where does the moral order come from? Well, there's no moral order in materialism unless you invent one. But, but how can you invent one? You can't get an issue from not. Or I remember in the Gambia when we lived there, always bang on about the Gambia, sorry, boring. Um, we'd, we'd have, we'd, where we used to sit for lunch by these trees, and you've got termites there often. And sometimes you get an ant's nest, and you get a battle, ants versus termites, which we just sort of shrugged our shoulders and laughed at. 
because I guess the sense in which it doesn't really matter. Maybe you'll tell me afterwards it does. But we'll all agree on this. And this, this is really sad. See what's happened in Palestine-Israel last night. You've got murder, kidnapping. Now, if you're a materialist, you have to say there is no distinction between what is going on in Palestine-Israel versus what is going on in an ants versus termite battle. There is no moral difference. You might say there's a greater degree of pain, uh, but there's no moral difference. Some would say, well, no, people are more valuable because they're more complex. I say, really, is that what you believe? Or does that mean that someone who's very bright is of more value than someone who's not very bright or someone who's mentally disabled? So it, this stuff really matters. It really, God being the creator is a really good doctrine and it gives us a holistic worldview. Deism. Did anyone have a look at deism? This idea that there's a God and creation, but there's not a lot of interaction between the two after creation. Yes. Peter. Um, when we looked at, if you believe in deism, uh, magic clockwork, uh, clock creator, that's it. So there's no providential working of God. Yeah. So the idea of this, this phrase, common grace, yeah. is completely out the window. Yeah. That there's benefit and kindness of God to everybody. Yeah. They're Christians or not. Yeah. So there's, he's not kind because he's, he's indifferent. Just, yeah, he's diff- yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah, so God, God is, there's no common grace. What about sort of more sort of special grace, if, if that makes sense? What does it say about a relationship between people and God? Interest time, I'll answer my question. Basically, God doesn't answer prayer. God doesn't care. And it can lead to a real bitterness. I know there's a God, but he doesn't care for me. And uh, it's pointed out, doing a bit of research for this, that actually the reality is a lot of Christians are functional deists. We're functional deists, and it's reflected in the fact that we don't really pray. We don't, we don't depend on the God who says he'll be with us, who says he'll order things for good. Uh, we don't pray. We don't hope. Because when we see the world as a total mess, either out there in the, sort of the media when it's looking globally, or in our lives, we think, well, God's not going to do anything about it. Now, of course, he may not anything, do anything about our specific situation in the way that we want him to, but he has promised to be involved. He's not just the creator. He is the sustainable things. And he's promised to work all, all things for our goods. And just finally on that point, I just want us to notice that the biblical worldview on creation is really good. It is really good that God has made all things. And it is really good that he, has, he is sustaining all things, that he is actively involved in his creation. It doesn't explain why there is suffering in the world. It doesn't answer that question. That's for another time. But it does give us hope. Give us hope that God is good. He's involved in creation. He has everything under control. And one day he's going to fix everything. Okay, let's go on to uh, the um, goodness of creation. So again, Genesis 1 verse 31. So much of this stuff is in Genesis. Genesis 1 verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good it was so creation is good now their words before the fall okay before the fall obviously after the fall um various things are cursed and of course there's a lot of suffering and pain in the world but the scriptures nonetheless continue to affirm uh, god's goodness so the question is what does creation teach us about god now again i well i tell you what, i'll just no, why don't we do this briefly ourselves? So how about um, if, you're on, if you're on this line, 
if you do just the first verse, Proverbs 3 verse 19, you think, what does that teach us about God? Uh, if you're on this line, uh, teach us about, uh, sorry, just have a look at the second one, um, Psalm 33 verse 9, it's all, uh, for he spoke, and it, are, you, are these on the handout? Yeah, they're on the handout, so you don't have to look them up. For, uh, Psalm 33 verse 9, if this table over here, if you do Psalm 19 verse 1, and the table back there, you've actually got two verses. I just want to think about what do these verses say that creation teaches us about God? Okay, just quickly for sort of two minutes, we'll do that. Okay. Okay, let's let's draw together. Sorry, that's so brief. Um, have a think about this later on. Take the hand out home. So the first verse: By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, He set the heavens in place. Anyone on this line just want to give? What does this teach about God? Yeah. And we talked earlier about how God is outside of time and space. It's not just the earth that creates, it's also the heavens. Yeah. Um, and you know, when people see natural disasters, they say, well, you know, where is God? Because he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Because you know, it's difficult to explain what yeah. things happen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so God, yeah, just creation shows, it reminds us that He's wise, shows that He's wise, and and sometimes we see that positively, don't we? We just and we see some see the goodness of creation. We see that God knows how to do things in the best way. Uh, again, you see something beautiful, you think, "Wow, God is incredibly wise." Um, I was in a Bolton Abbey yesterday. People have been talking about it for a whole year, and I've been unwise not taking them up on it. And we went yesterday. Stunning. I don't mean the Abbey itself, actually. I mean just the walk up the river. It went to Keswick over the summer. Amazing. God made that. Okay, he's got my life sorted as well. He's wise, even though it looks like a mess. Uh, this line down here, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Any, uh, any thought? What does it tell us about God? <coughs> Speak, yeah, thank He speaks into existence, yeah. Anything else? He's powerful, yeah, yeah. <coughs> so important to remember isn't it we see creation we see God's power and we say it's so good that he is in control a friend of mine when I was in my we well, were both in our late 20s having lunch and he'd just broken up with the girl he thought was going to be his wife and he's processing it as a Christian and he said do you know what it'd be easy for God to provide me with a wife it would be easy for God to provide me with a wife is that remarkable he's powerful God could have just spoke a wife into existence that would have been pretty weird but God could do that. He is that powerful. And that's helped to know that when things don't go away, it's not because God lacks power. This table here, did you have anything on the uh, third one? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. It was kind of, um, God's glory on display, kind of a way for us to see. That's Yeah. 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 I think it's it. His, his glory. It's, glory is a word that's hard to define, isn't it? But it's a thing that just blows your mind. His, his beauty, his wonder. I've been thinking about, you know, the, um, that, that, is it called the sycamore gap tree? Is that the one at Hadrian's Wall? It's been cut down. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what we're like. But you think about it. So, but it's only a tree. Now, I don't mean it's not beautiful. Hear me, I'm going to make a lot of enemies now. What I mean by it's a tree, I don't mean it's not totally beautiful. But trees are everywhere, aren't they? I mean, what can we do with AI? We can send rockets to the moon. 
You know, it comes to a tree. We can't even replace a tree, can we? Uh, we can't do what God can do in creation. How, I mean, I don't know how long they reckon it's to grow another tree like that. Someone tell me afterwards, but probably 50, 100, 200 years. And then would it look as beautiful as that? We just can't do it, can we? But God can. God knows. He can create beautiful things. He's glorious. And then finally at the back, there were two verses. I'll read them out quickly. God makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bring forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the, man, the heart of man, oil that makes his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. <coughs> and then the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Anything, Jen? Yeah, Yeah. Like yes, apparently grass live, but we survive yeah. dry skin, so it yeah. gives us oil to yeah. shine. Yeah. 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 He's super abundantly good. Someone said he could have just given us food capsules, couldn't he? But he's given a multiplicity of different types of feeds. Okay. So basically, creation, the fact that God created it, we look at it, it reflects back to God. And he is good and he's, he's wonderful. Um, we've basically run out of time. The last thing I just wanted to point out to is what is distinct about the Christian understanding of creation uh, and how does that relate to the gospel? And uh, just very, very quickly, I... I should have spent more time on this, so apologies for that. Uh, again, reading something on this, talked about the gospel being, it's not N-shaped, but it's U-shaped. So the N-shaped is that we, we have, we, so we're at the bottom, God is at the top, we go up to God, and then he comes down and blesses us. That's, that's one gospel. The other gospel is he comes down to us, and then we respond to him in thanksgiving. Now immediately, I know you know the answer, the gospel is obviously U-shaped, isn't it? When we say come down, we're obviously thinking of the Lord Jesus, where it's ultimately manifested. He comes down to us and we uh, respond to him in thanksgiving. And that is grace. But the re- how does that relate to creation? Because everything uh, came out of nothing. There is nothing that God needs of us. He doesn't need us at all. He doesn't, even in the most spiritual things, he doesn't need our prayer, he doesn't need our praise, he doesn't need our evangelism. He doesn't need any of that stuff. He gives us everything. And when we do all those things, we're just acts of praise, acts of worship back to him as the one who gives us all things. But the rationale behind all of that is because all things have come from him. He doesn't need us. Everything has come from nothing. And that is a wonderful truth to remember when we feel we've let God down. There's a sense in which, yeah, we do let God down when we don't do what we ought. But there's also a sense in which it's not a problem for him. <laughs> when we let God down, it is never a problem for him. There is nothing that he needs us for and that is such a relief isn't it because the reality is all of us this week have not done what we ought Um, and yet uh, it's not a problem for him he can still do everything that he's planned he will still accomplish everything Adam thanks for rounding us up that's good it's time to close Um, you're a little bit late but uh, I'm sure you'll catch up let me let me pray father in heaven we praise you for your creation and we praise you that you are the creator of all things visible and invisible father so much to chew on there we've just scratched the surface but we pray we would uh, increase in our view of you being glorious and good Um, would we increase our view of you as the one who is wise and powerful 
And we pray that we delight in that truth, remembering that you've manifested it, uh, uh, these qualities in their fullness in the incarnation. uh, As you took on flesh and you died for us, because you love us, you don't need a thing from us, you've created us, created all things, and yet you love us. And we thank you and we praise you. Make us wise, we pray, to steward this creation you've given us. And uh, we pray that we would be blown away by you this week as we see little and big things in creation. In Jesus' name, amen.